Okay, so we are talking about how the Holy Spirit can change our lives. And today I want to focus on this. The Holy Spirit is your promise, so don't give up. The Holy Spirit is your promise, so don't give up. You ever have somebody, or maybe you have somebody now, hopefully, in your life that just makes you better? Anybody have any mother's life that just makes them better? Thank you very much. Have somebody in your life that makes you better. Had a friend of mine, many years of my life, actually a couple, almost a couple decades of my life, he was point guard for Bucknell University. We had a Bucknell grad here in the first service, and they just exploded with cheers the moment I said Bucknell. All-time assist leader at Bucknell University. Guy was an incredible passer. I grew up living on a basketball court. I love basketball. This guy made me better. Now, he made me a lot better than I ever was. Just by his presence on my team, on my court, guaranteed I would score twice as many points, period. If I was going to score two points, I'd score four or more. The presence of that guy on that court with me made me far better than I would ever be without him. Now, the Holy Spirit, our promise from the Father, will work in our lives to make us far better than we would ever be without the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. That is the guarantee from the Father. That is what Jesus talks about when he says, I promise I will send the Holy Spirit to you to make you better than you would ever be without yourself. And if we are trying to be that person that we've always wanted to be, that person of character, that person of commitment, that person of love and patience, on and on, without the work of the Spirit in our lives, it's a recipe for disaster. We have to have, according to the Scripture, the work of the Spirit in our lives. So let's read our main text this morning that we've been studying. It's Galatians chapter 5. Awesome words about the Holy Spirit. It begins with a very important... I'm going to come back to it in a minute, but in a very important way, so take note of it. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Very important. The fruit, what does that mean? This is what we're going to unpack this morning. Why in the world does the Bible call the Spirit fruit? Why the fruit? The fruit of the Spirit, the nine character traits that we all want, love, joy, peace. We decided them last week. Love means to be courageous. Love means to be not a coward, but to be courageous. It means to be brave. That's what love means. Joy means to be positive, to be filled with hope and light, to build up, not tear down, to build yourself up, to build others up and not tear yourself down. That's what it means under difficult circumstances or no circumstances at all. Love, joy, peace. Peace means to be free from anxiety and stress, which we have an abundance of in this city. Now, let's move on. Forbearance. Forbearance is patience. We'll unpack that in a second. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise of the Spirit. Thank you that you promise us the Holy Spirit that will enable us to be the people that we truly want to be, we long to be, and the people that you want us to be. Thank you that you give us this promise, and we just ask, Holy Spirit, in these next few moments, that you would be very, very present in this place, and that you would open our minds and open our hearts, and that we would feel you at work in us, and that you would give us hope and let us know that we can leave here knowing that you will work in our lives if we don't give up. In Christ's name, amen. Patience. You know what the word patience means here? It means the ability to face problems without blowing up. The ability to face problems without blowing up. Do you have a person in your life that takes you right up to the edge? Do you know what I mean? 
they take you right up the... Some of you are smiling because you have that person in your life. For some of you, it's the person sitting next to you. They take you right up to that edge. Do you have circumstances in your life that take you right up the edge? Now, listen, listen. We are blessed in this city that we have just had two huge news events, one big, one really, really big, actually, that went viral, to remind us of the importance of staying calm under pressure, not blowing up. So on Friday afternoon out in Leesburg on Route 7... It was a guy in a 2012 Porsche, right? Beautiful, very expensive car, had a problem with the big tractor trailer next to him. He got angry. So what did he do? What did he do? He rammed that tractor trailer with his beautiful Porsche repeatedly, repeatedly. Look, if he wants to do that, take my car, ram it all you want. Give me your Porsche. Give me your Porsche. Now you might say, well, I'm sure he was a young guy losing control. He was 69 years old. I don't know if that's young to you or not, but he rammed that Porsche and he got arrested because he kept ramming it at the, at the fuel tanks there on the sides. The police came and arrested him. You know how embarrassing that is? Now, how about this one? Now, this video went viral. This happened blocks from here just blocks right up the street. Our whole nation knows about this, right? Britt McHenry, can we, uh, can we throw it up there? Anybody recognize? There she is. So, so we're not going to play the video of what she said, okay? Because there's some issues there with what she said. But this reporter for ESPN, her car got towed from a Hunan Chinese restaurant here. I think it's in Clarendon. She got towed right up the street behind the Mercedes dealership there on Glebe Road, and she just unloads on the cashier. And the cashier says, hey, you're on video. I'll play your video. Be careful. She was so angry. She was so upset. It just spewed. And she said, hey, could I get a job here if I had a half a brain? Could I get a job here if I was missing teeth like you? Hey, honey, you ought to lose some weight. I mean, she just unloads. And now she's in a very embarrassing situation. The whole nation is talking about Britt McHenry, right? And now she's had to apologize, and she's been suspended from ESPN for a week. Now, look, everybody, you don't want to be caught on tape at your worst moment, do you? Some of you have been in a towing office before, and you're glad that nobody played your videotape. Some of you have been in a towing office before, and you're like, go, Britt, go, 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 right? Okay, we don't want to be caught. That's a very difficult situation. I know, in retrospect, she wishes that she was able to have this fruit of the spirit of patience to not blow up in very intense situations. She would want that. Well, what God is saying is, I promise the Spirit will work in your life. If you allow the Spirit to work in your life, they'll help you when you're about ready to blow up and you're in those situations that God will help you to not blow up. Patience. Patience. Kindness. The second one we're looking at this morning, kindness. What does that mean? It means that you are so secure in who you are that you're able to focus on other people. That you are so secure in who you are that you can be kind and thoughtful and caring of somebody else. Look, insecurity is tearing apart many of our lives. Insecurity is tearing apart. We can't think about other people. We can't be kind because we're, we're eaten up with insecurities. When we are insecure, we will never become the person that we are meant to be. When we are insecure, we will never become the person that God wants us to be or we want to be. The Holy Spirit brings us security. The Holy Spirit makes us secure. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Third and final one this morning is goodness. Now check this out. Goodness. Anything? Oh yeah, he's a good person. This word goodness means integrity. It means to be a man or woman of your word. 
It means that when you say something, people say, oh man, they said it, it's going to come true. They're a person of their word. Would you like the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Haven't we had situations in our life where we said one thing and we did another, and, but we wish it wasn't the case? The Holy Spirit can work in our life that we can be a person of our world. Next week, we're going to talk about faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a battle, everybody. I want, I want you to know this this morning, that when you pursue these nine character traits, and some of you have something like, oh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just so patient. All right, you're patient, but you're incredibly undisciplined. So some of us have one or two or three or four, but we don't have all nine. It takes the work of the Spirit in our lives to have all nine, and it's a battle. And the Bible's very upfront with the battle. It tells us in Galatians chapter 5 where this whole thing is coming from, that they're in conflict with each other. Like those things that are impatient is in conflict with the work of the Spirit to be patient. It is a conflict. Ephesians chapter 6 says it's a war. Romans chapter 7 is a fantastic chapter in the Bible that I identify with so much. I'm going to read some verses. I think you're going to identify with it as well. It's just very frustrating. Very, very. See if this doesn't hit the bullseye for you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it hits the bullseye for me. Romans chapter 7. I have the desire to do what is good, the Apostle Paul writes. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Yes, brother, I've been there so many times, so many times. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this, my friends, my friends, I keep on doing. Oh, man, I feel it. I see another law at work within me, and it's waging war against the law of my mind, and it's making me a prisoner. You ever feel like a prisoner sometimes? You just can't get some area of your life under control and be that person you want to be, and you are a prisoner, and it's a war going on, a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What? Then he just cries out at the end, what a wretched man I am. Who, who is going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? It is no coincidence that this is the end of Romans chapter 7, expressing from, from arguably this gentleman that Bible scholar calls the greatest Christian who ever lives, who writes these words, I want to do good and I keep doing evil and I just can't stop myself. It is no coincidence that Romans chapter 7 ends on this very frustrating note. And Romans chapter 8 begins the most intense section, everybody. Listen, the most intense section on the Holy Spirit in the entire Bible. 19 times in Romans chapter 8 alone were directly referenced to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So who is going to rescue you from that body of death? Who is going to help you not be that wretched man? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to work in our life in a powerful way so that we can finally become the person that we want to be. But we should not give up. We should not give up because it is a promise from God. Galatians chapter 6. Now, Galatians chapter 6. We have been studying the end of Galatians chapter 5. Check out how Galatians chapter 6 begins. Look what it says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, what it's saying is God's not lying. about. What are you not lying about, God? Here's what God's not lying about. God says, I'm not lying about this. A man is going to reap what he sows. Okay? What do you mean by that? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Some of you are thinking about giving up this morning. Some of you are discouraged, like, I want to be this person. I can't be this person. I'm resigned to never being that person. I know that I want to be it because it can't be done. I live in a fallen world. I'm a fallen person. I can't change. And what we're told here is that we can reap a harvest of the work of the Spirit in our lives and finally become that person that God and we want to be because of the work of the Spirit, if we do not 
give up. The Holy Spirit is your promise. Don't give up. Where does all this begin? It begins with trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. What does that mean? I just real simple, real super simple. We trust that Jesus lived a perfect life, and we trust that we will never live a perfect life. We trust that Jesus Christ is the only one that ever lived a perfect life, only one who can stand before God, and that we will never live a perfect life, and we could never stand blameless before God. And so because of that, and we want to be right with God, we say, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm getting in on your coattails. That's what it means to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's as simple as that. We trust in his perfection, and we trust in our imperfection. Can you trust in your imperfection? Can you trust that you will always be imperfect? I'll tell you right now, I have no problems whatsoever trusting in my imperfection forever. Can you trust in Jesus' perfection? We're told that when we do that, when we trust in his perfection and our imperfection, that the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And then what do we do? We should not ignore the Spirit's work. Because what happens in my own life, everybody... Just like it says in Galatians chapter 3, starting out in the Spirit and then forgetting the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, oh, I got it from here. I'll take it from here. And then we forget the work of the Spirit and then we get discouraged. Why aren't we, why aren't we changing? Because we need not ignore the Spirit's work. It should be a daily thing. We talked about that last week. We need to focus on, prioritize the work of the Spirit in our lives. This is a promise from God. Look, when God says this is a promise, he means it's a promise. He doesn't say it once, he doesn't say it twice. He says it over and over and over again. You need to know that. Either God is lying or he's guaranteeing. He's either lying or he's guaranteeing. I will work in your life and transform you. He's either lying or he's guaranteeing. And so Mark chapter 1 John the Baptist says, Jesus Christ is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to work in Luke 24. Jesus says, okay, I'm getting ready to go, and I'm promising you the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to transform your life. Acts chapter 1, same thing. I'm promising the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's numerous times in the New Testament. How about the Hebrew Bible? Ezekiel chapters 36 and chapters 37 twice, just in case we might miss it back to back, because I will put my Spirit in you. I promise you I will put my spirit in you and I will transform you so that you will finally become the person that you truly long to be. That's something to be excited about because there's a person that I want to be and I just can't do it. I'm Paul in Romans 7 all day long, but God is saying to me by the power of his spirit that I can become changed, not by my efforts, not that we're not supposed to try, right? Not by my efforts, but by the power of the spirit. If I'll just focus and not ignore the spirit's work in my life, he will transform me and I'll become the person that I truly long to be. All right, let's talk about some practical stuff. So you're dealing with traffic, right? Like the guy in the Porsche. I have talked to a number of people who live in the D.C. area, and they tell me that they blow up in traffic. They get very upset in traffic. That road rage is very near and dear to their hearts. Okay, God can help you. (laughs) God can help you in traffic, right? God can help you in frustrating situations like Britt McHenry, right, at 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 the advanced towing right up the street from here. Some of you have been in that office before because you had your car towed somewhere in Arlington, all right? And God can help you through those difficult situations. How about kids? Do do kids frustrate you? Do your kids frustrate you? Do they make you want to rip your hair out sometimes? They're not your kids. They're somebody else's kids and they frustrate you. You don't even have to have your own kids and you're frustrated with kids around. Do kids freak you? How about parents? How about aging parents? Not that I have this problem. I'm just saying maybe some of you have this problem, right? Aging parents, is that maybe that, 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 that freaks you out a little bit? How about a demanding boss or a demanding staff? 
And again, I don't have this problem, but a demanding spouse. Some of you maybe have a, have a demanding spouse, and it makes you angry. It makes you hopeless. It might even make, make, make you, you know, rude. Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, he had a terrible time with his anger and his temper. Terrible, terrible time in his life, and he had to deal with it. God can help us. What about temptations, everybody? How about temptations? What about lust or addictions? Right? Pornography. Pornography is rampant. And it has so many people, men and women, in its clutches. Can that be overcome, right? How about alcohol? How about gambling? Oh, what about golf? Huh? What about that? Can, can these things be overcome when they become addictions? Because our addictions lead us into embarrassing moments. They humiliate us. I have uh, uh, two buddies of mine, actually. And the one buddy, um, both of them were at a sporting event together, okay? And the one guy knew that he shouldn't drink that much, right? And I told himself, not going to drink that much. I embarrassed myself when I drink too much. Let me not drink too much. What did he do? He drank too much. Exactly. So he's driving the car. So the other buddy said, hey, look, you're not driving the car. I'll drive the car. They drive. They get to the other buddy's house. And the buddy says, look, you're not driving home. There's no way you're driving. You just come spend the night here. So he comes in. He spends the night here, right? He wakes up in the middle of the night to do what? Go to the bathroom. Wakes up in the middle of the night. He has no idea where he is. He has no idea where he is. Wakes up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom. Goes to the bathroom, walks out of the bathroom, and he's thinking, you know, just because autopilot, okay, I'm going back to my room. He's thinking it's a house. He doesn't know where he is. And so he climbs into a bed and falls asleep. About an hour later, he realizes he's in the bed with his other buddy and his wife, right? Right? And he wakes up because he's rubbing, you know, his buddy on the head. He's like, whoa, what's... This doesn't feel like my wife that I'm rubbing her on the head. Very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. So doesn't, it doesn't, not that exact thing happen to you. But don't you find yourself sometimes embarrassed or maybe even humiliated because you couldn't keep it under control? The Holy Spirit can help us with that. The Holy Spirit can help us with situations like in towing companies or places where we might drink too much or do something else that later we're deeply, deeply ashamed of. The Holy Spirit wants to help us become the person that we truly long to be. Now, here's the thing before I get into this. I'm going to give you three things about fruit I think is very important. I've never seen this before, but now it's just really hit me, and I think it's very important to say. Before I say that, I want to say this. Jesus wants you to have hope this morning. Nobody is here by mistake today. Jesus wants every single one of us to find a place of hope this morning. Some of us are thinking, you know what? This is never going to change in my life. This is never, ever going to change. And what Jesus wants all of us to know by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, things can, can change. They can change in us. The Holy Spirit is our promise, and we should not give up. Let me give you three words here. The first word is internal. Internal. Why in the world does Galatians, why in the world does the Bible call it fruit? Very important. It starts internal. Let me show you something here, everybody. I have this. Now, the first service, we'll see if you're as smart as they. What kind of seed is this? Avocado, thank you very much. I heard multiple people give the answer. Only one person did it at the 9.30. That makes you smarter, okay? Excellent. Excellent. So now we have, and we have on the screen, there we go. Not the exact same thing, but here we go. Pot of dirt, okay? Have a seed, fruit, just bears avocado. So what we're going to do, right, is we are, come down to you, we are going to put the seed into the dirt. We'll have Sarah confirm that. Seed go in the dirt? Confirmed. Confirms in the dirt. Now, Sarah, if you can help us out again, describe the fruit that you see in there. Describe it. It's not existent. It's non-existent. Let's find somebody else to help us out because we want to see the fruit. What do you see there? Dirt. You see dirt. You see dirt. Does anybody here see anything but dirt? 
Okay, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's thinking, well, that's all you see is dirt. So, you, so some of us have prayed before for the Holy Spirit to influence our life and change our life. Maybe you were here last week and you took the trek over here to the prayer wall and you said, hey, Holy Spirit influenced my life, you know, change me. And then all this week, all you and everybody else could see was dirt. All you could ever see was dirt. And you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. It might work for you, but it doesn't work for me, right? That's the conclusion that we make. And here's what we all need to know. It starts off internally. We're such an instantaneous society. We're like, okay, I, hey, man, I prayed last Sunday to be clothed with power. And the power is something I'm not... I prayed for this fruit, this love and joy. I prayed that I'd be patient. And this past week, I just blew up all over the place. As far as I know, Britt McHenry is in the audience today, right? So uh, we expect this instantaneous... It doesn't happen instantaneously. It starts internally. It starts internally. The Holy Spirit begins to go to work internally in our lives. And you know what? We can't see anything at first. All we see is dirt. That's all you see. Dirt. Please keep that in mind. Now, I want to show you a clip from one of the greatest movies in the world. Okay? It's very important here. And it's about a young man, teenage boy, all right, that he's being abused. He's discouraged. He's humiliated. He's shamed. He's shamed in front of the girl that he loves so much. He's being beaten up, all kinds of terrible stuff. He thinks there's no hope. And so, Daniel-san <laughs> goes to Mr. Miyagi, right? And Miyagi says, you know, paint fence, right? Up, down, up, down, all right. Sandy floor, right? Wax on, wax off. Let's watch it, and then I'll recap. Here we go. Let's check it out. Show me sandy floor. Sand floor, sand floor. Now show me wax on, wax off, wax on, hat, wax off. Show me paint a fence, up, down. Show me paint a house, side, side. Black list, side, side. Yes. Show me wax on, wax off. Show me paint the fence. Pace! Pace! Death! Death! Show me side to side. Death! 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 Show me sand of floor. Pace! 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 Come back tomorrow. Okay, some of you are very frustrated because you're like, hey, you know, I tried this Jesus thing and it's not working. It's never going to work unless you do the ordinary things. The ordinary makes the extraordinary possible. Unless you're painting the fence and sanding the floor and waxing on and waxing off every day. Holy Spirit changed me. Holy Spirit influenced me multiple times a day, all day long. Unless we do that very ordinary, mundane thing over and over and over again, we will not be filled with the Spirit's power to transform us to become that person we were meant to be and defeat our demons. So Daniel-san, if you've seen the movie, and you should, if you've seen the movie, he ends up defeating his demons and being victorious. And that's the same 
same thing that God wants for you and for me, for me to defeat my demons because I've done the ordinary and now the extraordinary becomes possible because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. So Galatians, I told you I'd come back to it, 5.16 says walk. Walk by the Spirit. Well, think about this for a second. Walking is not an extraordinary thing, isn't it? It's a slow thing. It's a slow progress. It's a very ordinary thing. It's not exciting. Not like I'm sprinting across the stage and like, ooh, look at that guy go. No, no. Walking. Who gets excited about walking, right? It's a very ordinary thing. But if you'll commit and not give up to doing the ordinary, the extraordinary will be possible in your life. Look, there's no short cut to this. This is what the Bible is telling us every day, multiple times a day. Holy Spirit, change me, influence me, empower me so that we can defeat our demons and find victory through the power of the Spirit, not in our own efforts. That is where we begin. Second thing, that's internal. It's internal. It's incremental. It's incremental. We wrongly expect instantaneous when it is incremental. We think, okay, we plant the seed. And this was orange. I chose this seed because it's large. But if it was an orange seed, we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, bring your fruit on. We think, whoop, there it is, just like that. Boom, there is the full-blown ripe orange. It doesn't happen that way. doesn't happen. Doesn't, it's not a whoop, there it is. It doesn't happen. What happens, a little sprout comes out of the ground eventually after a certain amount of time, right? That's what takes place. And slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit works in our lives to bring the full-blown fruit. But it's incremental. It's not instantaneous. And we get discouraged and we give up because we're like, this is taking too long. I mean, I've been praying about this for a week. It's taking too long. I've been praying about this for a year. It's taking too long. And so we give up. Character can take a long time to change. Defeating our demons can take a long time to change. Don't give up. God has made a promise to you. He's not lying. He's guaranteeing. Don't give up. I can make a difference in your life if you will keep walking. Keep walking, keep watering. Now, we said a lot about this last week. It says that we're supposed to wait on the Holy Spirit. Stay in Jerusalem and wait on the Spirit. Then, boom, here comes the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out. And we talked about last week, waiting means to be, have a priority. Like, if you're waiting for somebody, they're important to you, and they're a priority in your life, right? So it needs to be a priority. I want you to think about it this way for just a second, okay? What makes for a good waiter? You're out at a restaurant eating, and you have a waiter. What do you expect them to do, right? Do you expect them to actually come and serve you? Should they, should they serve you? Have you ever had an experience where you've gone to a restaurant, and you weren't, like, ready at that exact moment to give the order, and they said, hey, come back in just 60 seconds. I don't want to lose 60 seconds. And then 20 minutes later, they're nowhere to be found. Well, that's not a good waiter, is it? That's not a good waitress. You want somebody to serve. And so, wow, we are waiting on the Holy Spirit, we are to be serving, just like a good waiter or waitress would do. They would, they would serve. I was at the Olive Garden here years ago over in Belly's Crossroads, and we had a waitress, and they, uh, they came to take our order. We weren't quite ready, and we said, oh, sorry, we're not ready. Please come back. We, just, we were the big party. We just need a few more. Se- I was ready to order other people in the party, which is very frustrating to me. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit's at work, right? So, uh, you're not ready? And so, uh, wait, okay, okay, I'll be back. Well, uh, 10 minutes, 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes later, we're flagging down the manager. What is the deal? What's going on? We have a bad 
waitress. Well, the deal was, is this waitress was relatively new, and she had some kind of conflict with another table. She got her feelings hurt because things didn't turn out as she wanted to, and she had locked herself in the bathroom right? For some of us, something hasn't turned out the way you wanted it to. And instead of you keeping on, you've locked yourself in the bathroom. You're no longer serving the Holy Spirit. What do we do to serve the Spirit? We serve the Spirit by doing the things the Spirit, we see the Spirit doing in the world. And that is alleviating suffering, alleviating pain. We're serving around here at church. We're serving other people. We're focused on other people. You have people who are suffering from all kinds of problems in this world, and they say one of the best things that you can do is what? Start serving someone else. And when you start on your own recovery process, what do they tell you to do? Make sure that you keep helping somebody else. You know why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in this world. This whole Holy Spirit serves. You've got to get active. You've got to start serving. Some of us are trying here this morning to defeat our demons, and you're not serving anybody else. That's a recipe for disaster. You've got to be in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you what, the Holy Spirit's always doing, always serving, always helping, always making a difference in somebody's life. Are you making a difference in somebody's life? Because if you're not, then you're out of step with the Spirit. You're not walking with the Spirit. You've got to begin to do that. That's why we try to do stuff around here like upgrading a village in India that has dirty water. We're upgrading them to clean water. This is why it's so important. You know what? We're going to tell you next week where we are on that whole thing. We tell you, do we make progress? Do we complete the deal? We're able to do that, and we have something else very exciting to tell you. That's why we package up 100,000 meals. That's why people go out here and greet to create a welcoming environment here, right? To make a difference in somebody's life. While you are waiting on that incremental work of the Spirit in your life to change you on your patience and your courage and your bra- and you become a person of integrity, a man or woman of your word, while you're waiting on the incremental, serve because you'll be in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. It is incremental. Last eye. Last eye, everybody. It is inevitable. Inevitable. This is a promise. God is promising. He's not lying. He's guaranteeing. He's not lying. He says, I guarantee you. He's Galatians 6, 9, which I already read. He says, you will reap. He says, you might reap. Maybe you'll reap. If I feel good about you, you're going to reap. Right? If you do X, Y, and Z, you No, no. He said, you will reap if you focus on the Holy Spirit. Trust me as Savior, Jesus saying, and focus on the Spirit, you will reap. If you plant an orange seed, you will eventually get oranges, and you'll reap the fruit of the Spirit in your life. What we're being told here this morning is that we should never give up. We should never get up. It's our promise. We must continue on believing. Look, in farming, we have all kinds of problems. Sometimes there's no rain. Sometimes there's too much rain. Sometimes it's too cold, sometimes it's too hot. But the Holy Spirit wants to work in our life. If we make the Holy Spirit a priority, we will reap the person that we have always wanted to be. This is what the scripture is saying. That person we long to be if we will not give up. Okay, the music team is going to come and join me. We're not done, but we have something special we want to share with you, okay? So the music team's going to come, and the communion team's going to come, and I'm going to explain communion really quick why they're all moving. And if you're new, you're like, what's going on? We've got all these people moving around. Let me explain. Give me a moment to explain. So what you're going to see is groupings of people. There'll be two people here. There'll be two people over there. There are two people. There are two people. There are two people. Five different locations. And here, here's what happens in these five different locations. You're going to find somebody holding a tray, and in that tray has these little cups of grape juice, little cups of grape juice. And then in the middle of the tray is going to be a little, little cracker, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it represents. And we invite everybody to come to take communion this morning. Anybody, we don't, 
We don't have a membership here. We don't have any requirements. That's up to you. That's between you and God. We're not getting in between you and God, okay? So that's up to you about if you want to take communion. Communion is a very special moment. It's a moment that we examine ourselves, as the Scripture says. And what we encourage you to do is you take communion, you think about this this morning. Who is that person that God wants you to be? Who is that person that you want to be? And I want you to know this morning as you take communion, communion is a very special time. Look, Jesus Christ suffered horrendously on the cross. Horrendously. And it's Jesus saying to you, I will never give up on you. For somebody to give their life, say, I will never give up on you. That's what communion is about. So I want you to be secure in that. Some of you, you've given up on you, but Jesus hasn't given up on you. Some of you are so discouraged that you've given up on your situation. You've given up on things. But I want you to know that Jesus will never give up on you. He wants you to know this morning that this is your promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that he will work in your life if you don't, if you don't give up. It's inevitable what God wants to do in you. It starts internally, it progresses incrementally, and all of this is inevitable. And I want to tell you a story in conclusion, okay? And then we're done. There's a guy, his name is Eugene Peterson. He is a scholar. He's a Bible scholar, Eugene Peterson. He wrote a translation of the Bible called The Message. And he's written all kinds of other, you know, Christian writings. Guy's great. Very gracious, very humble, very humble guy. He had a challenge early in his life. I'm going to read you the story in just a second. He had a very challenge in his life. Now, he had a decision to make after this challenge he went through. He could either give up or he could keep going. Thank goodness he kept going. Because God has transformed his life and done great things. And that's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to transform you. He wants to do great things. Not a single person here this morning is here by accident. God has you here today because he wants you to know that there's hope. So I'm going to read this story. Um, he went through a very difficult time uh, in his life when he was young. And he had some, some strong challenges. And he talks about that. Raised in a very devout home. He wanted to be that person. He wanted to be that good Christian person. But he found it challenging. Maybe you can identify with that. I know that I can. He says this, I had been prepared for the wider world of neighborhood and school by memorizing Bible verses. Some of you have done this. Bless those who persecute you and turn the other cheek. I don't know how Garrison Johns knew that about me. Some sixth sense that bullies have, I suppose. Most afternoons after school, he would catch me and he'd beat me up. He found out I was a Christian and he taunted me with Jesus, sissy. Something every boy wants. I arrived home most days bruised and humiliated. My mother told me this had always been the way of Christians in the world and that I'd better get used to it. God bless you, mother, for those words. Used to it, boy. She also said that I was supposed to pray for him. One day, I was with seven or eight friends of mine when Garrison caught up with us in the afternoon, started jabbing me. That's when it happened. Something snapped. For a moment, the Bible verses disappeared from my consciousness, and I grabbed Garrison. To my surprise and his, I was stronger than he was. I wrestled him to the ground. I sat on his chest. I pinned his arms to the ground with my knees and he was helpless at my mercy. It was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists. 
Boy, it felt good. It felt good. I hit him again. Blood spurted from his nose, a lovely crimson in the snow. I said to Garrison, say uncle. He wouldn't say it. I hit him again. More blood. Then my Christian training reasserted itself. I said, say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He wouldn't say it. So I hit him again. More blood. So I tried to guess it. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said it. Garrison Johns was my first Christian convert. Aha. Ah, is that awesome? Have you felt that way? Have you felt that way? You're trying to be somebody. You're trying to be somebody, but something plagues you. One last story from my own life. Real quick, my own life. I was at a very uh, bad place when this church started 15 years ago. Very bad place. I was hopeless. I was discouraged. I was bitter. And a whole litany of other things was going wrong with my life. And I sat down within those first couple weeks or months when this church started to talk with somebody else who had started a church in Arlington. And everything went picture perfect for their life. Everything picture perfect. Like they, everything. I mean everything. And I can't get into good. And it was beautiful. It was this awesome thing. And they tell me, they told me about it for an hour, how awesome it was. And I sat at Whitlow's at Wilson there on Wilson Boulevard. And I just kept sinking, 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 sinking till I was looking up at the table underneath that hamburger. I couldn't rejoice with that person. I wanted to punch that person right in the face, right? Just being honest with you. I was bitter. I couldn't rejoice with that person, right? I had my own insecurity, so I couldn't care, couldn't love, couldn't rejoice, couldn't do any of those things. I had the decision to make. I had the decision to make. Are you either going to let the Holy Spirit change me by His power, by focusing every day, by slugging it out every day? Holy Spirit, change me, influence me. Got to change. I need you. Up days, down days, all over. If I hadn't done that, I know for a fact I wouldn't be here. And there's a probably good chance that this church wouldn't be here in our infant stage that we're in. But the Holy Spirit wants you to overcome your demons. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't give up. You will reap a harvest. Your life will be transformed by the power of the Spirit at work in you. There is a person that God has planned for you to be. And you will become that person through the power of the Spirit. It is true. It is true. I want to talk more about that next week. But it is true for today. Don't give up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your encouraging word from the Scripture that you have a plan for us, for every single person in this room. No mistake that everybody's here. No mistake that each person is here this morning, God. You have a plan for us, and you want that plan to be accomplished, and we will reap that reward. Help us, Lord, to believe in your promise that you are not lying to us. Help us, Lord, to seek you every day in the ordinary so that you might do the extraordinary in our lives. God, take away all the darkness and discouragement from our minds for just a moment this morning. Help us to be relieved of that and to put our trust in you and to see what you can do. Fall down upon this place and transform it. Bless the eating of this bread and the drinking of this cup to be powerful in us in Christ's name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.